This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everybody, to the flagship podcast interview. Very excited to be joined to talk NCAA basketball uh, with 24-7 sports college basketball expert Travis Branham. Travis, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's that time of year. It's the best time. It's the most exciting, but it's also that time where you're basically working 24 hours. So um, it's awesome, man. I'm excited to be here and appreciate you having me on, Chip. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, one of the biggest stories of the offseason last year, last April, um, had to be Chris Beard making the move from Texas Tech to Texas. And and then within a matter of months, he's assembled this team of nine newcomers, including seven top transfers. And we know Chris Beard is is the uh, the king of the transfer portal. Well, actually, the king of the transfer, even before the portal. Yep. We'll get to that. But Um, Let's start right where things left off at the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City, where Texas uh, has a 20-point lead against TCU. Things are looking good, and then they give up that lead in the second half, end up losing by five. How how surprised were you by by that outcome? Yeah, very surprised. Um, I think everybody was. Um, Anytime any any well-coached team like that um, gives up uh, that type of lead, um, it's always surprising. Um, but it also kind of points to the fact that I think people may have underestimated TCU a little bit. They're a tough, gritty squad, man. Um, they got a lot of guys who are going to get physical with you. They're going to play hard. And anytime you, you have that kind of um, makeup about your team, you're, you always got a fighter's chance. Um, and obviously they did. Um, so, don't sleep on TCU. They're actually one of those teams that I currently have in the NCAA tournament as a sleeper and think they could give, if they're able to make it past Seton Hall, who's another tough team, I think they could give Arizona some fits in that second round game. Um, so all the way around, it was a surprising thing. But again, it, it also points to the fact that TCU is a, a pretty good basketball team that um, they they can legitimately give you some fits with that toughness and grittiness that they bring to the floor. Yeah, I mean, if you come out of the Big 12, you've been through it, um, having to face Baylor and Kansas twice, Texas Tech twice. Um, you know, how much damage did Texas do? I, they were projected as a five seed going in, according to most bracketology, going into the Big 12 tournament. And then they end up a six seed and catch um, Virginia Tech, you know, this team that caught fire right at the right time, needed a a last second three pointer against Clemson in the first round of the ACC tournament to pull it off. But Virginia tech ends up beating North Carolina and, and Duke. And now Texas has to play them. Yeah. Uh, as far as the loss in the big 12 tournament goes, um, I, I don't like, 
obviously, as you said, they're projected a five seed. Them coming out as a six seed to me was not a surprise. Um, to me personally, that sounded more about right given um, their their resume entering the postseason. Um, so the six seed doesn't surprise me in the slightest bit. I don't think that loss necessarily hurt them all that much. Um, now, Virginia Tech, that's a dangerous matchup. Extremely well-coached basketball team within, with a lot of experience on the team. They have a bunch of transfers, guys that followed Mike Young from Wofford. So they know this system better than anybody with guys like Storm Murphy and Keve Aluma. And so this team, is they, they are excellent in the half court. They are very disciplined. Um, they can hit you and, and punish you in a variety of ways. Um, it's just a well-rounded basketball team with the versatility. Um, and, and this is a team that I think can give Texas fits uh, come this week. Yeah, in terms of matchups, you know, you know Texas's personnel, Marcus Carr, Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, Christian Bishop, Timmy Allen. Um, how do these two teams match up? It starts for Virginia Tech with Kevin Aluma, and I'm assuming somebody, uh, Timmy Allen, may may check that one. Um, but Kevin is the, is their go-to guy right now. That's who they want to play through in the half court. He's their leading scorer, uh, averages about 16 points a game, about seven rebounds. Um, but again, like I said, outside of him, this team is well-rounded, and they can hit you and attack you with a variety of different players on any other night, on any given night can be somebody else's night. We saw Darius Maddox go for 20 points in the ACC tournament. Um, so on Texas side of things, um, and this also speaks to that fumble in the, in the big 12 tournament of a lot of it has to do with their guards. And I think people have learned that all season long, you've got to have Marcus Carr playing at a high level. And he's been a bit inconsistent, a bit underwhelming. Uh, he was considered arguably the top transfer um, to hit the market last year. Um, and obviously people have expected a little bit more out of him and having him alongside Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey. Those are three guys who are more wired to score than they are to facilitate and play, make and make other people better. Um, so they're going to have to figure some stuff out because Virginia Tech knows what they're going to be doing coming into this game. Not much is really going to change with them. Um, but Texas and those guards um, are really going to have to figure some things out and be clicking on all cylinders um, to really kind of get their way past them easily. Yeah, Darius Maddox is the one who hit that three-pointer at the yep. buzzer to beat Clemson in the first round of the ACC tournament. Kind of they got past that near-death experience and then it got rolling, ended up beating North Carolina and taking down Duke. Um, what impressed you most about Virginia Tech's run through the ACC tournament? Uh, again, just how well-coached, how well-disciplined they are, and again, that versatility of on any night, it can be somebody else's night. We saw Storm Murphy go off for 16 points one night. Again, Keve Aluma is always going to be their guy. Um, so just the variety of options. They're selfless basketball team. Uh, they don't care who gets the credit. They that's And again, that's why that happens. You see these guys come off the bench and go for 15 to 20 points because they're just going to share the basketball and try to make the right basketball plays. At the end of the day, especially in a down year for the ACC that enabled them to go on that run and make it to the NCAA tournament now. So after the loss to TCU, Chris Beard called TCU a quote, second weekend type team about like ourselves. If everything kind of goes right end quote, um, 
Do you agree with that? Do you agree um, that Texas is a second weekend type team? Talent-wise, without question. Um, when you look at that roster, they have all the all the talent and pieces to make it to that second weekend and make it to the Elite Eight if they want to. But again, like I was saying earlier, it's all going to come down to those guards. You know what you're basically going to get out of Timmy Allen every night. He's been their most consistent player all year long. But Marcus Carr, Andrew Jones, and Courtney Ray are going to have to figure this out. They're going to have to be playing. Uh, they're going to have to be cohesive. They're going to be having to play off of each other and figuring this out. Um, if they do that, if they get hot, they can definitely be that second weekend team. And to uh, Chris Beard's quote, uh, just about TCU, like I was saying earlier, yes, I think they they could be a, a second weekend team. I think that if they make it past Seton Hall and they do face off with Arizona, that is one that I'm going to be watching extremely close because I think that physicality and that toughness that they bring to the basketball floor can give that Arizona basketball team some fits. All right, we'll take a quick break with uh, 24-7 sports college basketball expert Travis Branham here on the flagship podcast, but uh, don't go anywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Travis, this Texas team uh, has lost three straight uh, going into the NCAA tournament, kind of an enigma, as you've alluded to. Um, you know, he, Chris Beard, is, we talked about it at the beginning, he's been very successful with transfers. I mean, even mm -hmm. back to his time at, you know, as at Fort Scott Junior College in Seminole, but at Arkansas Little Rock, he brought in a bunch of transfers and, you know, had a successful run, went into the NCAA tournament, played uh, and beat Purdue, a team that they could see again if they get past uh, Virginia Tech. But this group of transfers, it seems, you know, after the loss, Chris Beard said, uh, we have we have we have to have players who hate to lose more than they like to win. He said, quote, I've got some guys I'm trying to teach that to. It shouldn't be your points per game and your rebounds. It ought to be your wins. Um, and then he went on to say, I think we've got a bunch of guys who who think they have the answers, but they really don't. What does that tell you about maybe how this group of transfers uh, has, you know, hit or missed? Um. With the transfer portal, especially with a lot of the guys that Texas brought in last year, a lot of these guys were, yes, very productive players at their previous stops, but those previous stops were typically losing uh, teams. So 
I mean, Marcus Carr comes from Minnesota. Richard Pitino had just lost his job. They were struggling. They they probably were a tournament team, but they always suffered through injuries. Um, obviously, we saw how all that panned out, and here he is. Timmy Allen also comes uh, from a, a basketball team where they struggled. Um, so these are guys, for the most part, came from losing teams. So winning, knowing how to win, um, is something that they're trying to figure out now because they didn't learn it at their previous stops. Um, and I think that's something – uh, that comes along with the transfer portal. If you go super portal heavy, especially uh, inheriting, this is year one, They, they uh, Chris Beard coming in to uh, Texas from Shaka Smart and then not um, being a successful program uh, prior to that under Shaka, um, the guys who are returning are also trying to figure out how to win and how to be successful and make runs in NCAA tournament like we saw Chris Beard have at Texas Tech. So, all that to say, it's going to take a little time for these guys to learn how to win. Um, and, and some of that's going to start coming out of just recruiting high school talent. He obviously came in late. So adding high school talent um, to kind of lay the foundation alongside these transfers where you can build a, a successful winning team. Um, I'm not worried about this here at all, frankly. Um, yes, Chris Beard's going to destroy the, the transfer portal as he has, but once he starts getting those winning pieces alongside these guys and you get that winning culture and mentality inside that locker room, they're going to take off. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what would be your 30,000 foot view of, of year one under Chris Beard? Yeah. Again, not concerned at all. I know it's been a rocky year at times. Um, people, especially with how successful they were in the transfer portal last year, Maybe we all got a little too excited on what this year was going to be like. They did have 11 losses. We probably wouldn't have thought that with Chris, under Chris Beard um, in year one with, again, all that transfer talent. But, um, again, what I was just saying, like, once you instill that mental makeup and that culture inside that locker room, that takes a little time. It's uh, also very difficult, and I think, uh, the Texas staff is learning that it's very difficult to bring a bunch of new players in in year one in just one year and go out and win. Um, not many coaches across the country are able to do that, whether it be with transfers or with one and done, where you just bring in a whole new team year after year and go out and succeed. It's a very difficult thing to do. Um, so not concerned at all. I think this uh, is going to be a very successful staff. Um, and think once again, they, they start bringing in some winning pieces and, and really kind of instill uh, their core values into this team that they're just going to take off. Yeah, I always tell Texas fans, just look at Texas Tech. If you want to know mm -hmm. what Chris Beard can do, I know it's been tough for Texas fans to to stomach the the two losses to Texas Tech, including the loss in Austin where Texas Tech fans bought up a bunch of the tickets and had a huge presence uh, at that game in Austin. But I mean, Texas tech, they're a team that could do real damage in this NCAA tournament because of, you know, the talent that in mm -hmm. culture that Chris Beard built at tech, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, I believe they had 14 losses in year one at Texas tech year two, they go to the elite eight. I'm not saying not going to put that pressure and stuff out there that they're going to make an elite eight run next year. But I mean, to, for him to come in and have 11 losses in year one um, compared to his 14 at Texas tech, I'm not concerned. This guy knows how to build a program and build it quickly. Um, and it, again, with his ability to bring in transfers, 
um, it, it'll happen much sooner than later. When you look at the Big 12, Travis, um, you know, obviously, you know, Baylor and Kansas at the top, but let's stay with Texas Tech for a second. They made it to the the finals of the Big 12 tournament, lost to Kansas. But what do you like about Texas Tech and and how far do you do you see them going? Yeah, Mark Adams is a heck of a coach. Um, I think we may have um, – we've all come to that realization loud and clear this year with what he's done. Um, they're tough. They're gritty. They defend um, at an extremely high level, as does this Texas team. Um, but just like uh, as you would expect under a Chris Beard uh, assistant, uh, Mark Adams has, has those teams, guys, um, competing at an extremely high level on that defensive end of the floor. Uh, they make – every possession on you difficult. They take you out of what you want to do. Um, they slow the game down. It's a, it's just a very difficult matchup now. And when it comes to this March Madness run, I typically uh, favor towards teams who like to play a little bit faster, can put some points uh, up on the bas- on the board a little bit more. But personally, actually, uh, given their drawings, um, if they were to match up with Duke, I believe in the Sweet Six. Yeah, it is in the Sweet 16. Um, if they make it that far, I actually do have Texas Tech in my elite eight. I just like the matchups a little bit more, even though I do like guys who play a little faster than they do. But um, what they've done this year has been um, pretty spectacular, and, and they're doing an outstanding job over there in Lubbock. Yeah, then would they meet Gonzaga? If they, yes. If they may make it to the elite eight? They would. What would, you, what would you think about that matchup? That's a two polar opposites right there. Gonzaga does have a top 10 defense in the country, but they love to get up and put points on the bas- on the board. Um, so I actually have Gonzaga winning it all, so that's how I favor that matchup personally. Um, I think Chet Holmgren is the guy who, who can finally push them over this hump. Andrew Nimard, one of the best point guards in the country, is playing at an extremely high level. And then when the game slows down, like it always ends up doing late in games in, in March Madness, who are you going to give the basketball to and to go get you a bucket? And I think Drew Timmy's one of the best bucket getters. He's a guy that hasn't really been able to be stopped. He's just so skilled in the post. He's so physical. And he, whenever he gets doubled, he can really pass the basketball out of the post and get other people involved. So I think Gonzaga, this is the year that they finally push over that hump. Yeah, Texas saw Gonzaga up close and personal. The beginning of the season, Timmy went for – 37 points. Um, that was uh, quite a wake-up call for for Texas, who's um, now without Trey Mitchell, who uh, was sort of one of their only – well, he and Dylan DeZue are the only two guys over uh, six foot seven. Um, yeah. Bishop having to hold it down, playing a lot of small ball uh, at the five at six foot seven. But, um, okay, staying in the Big 12, Travis um, – Baylor, defending national champion, um, you know, Scott Drew has LJ Cryer hurt. He's got JTT hurt. He loses four starters from that, you know, uh, national championship team. And yet uh, he's got a team that that looks like it's uh, ready to make another run. I mean, just talk about the job that Scott Drew's done this year and and how far you have Baylor going again, that a lot of this comes with uh, the culture that they've been able to instill over, especially with the past few years. Um, and, and I think that's going to be the direction that Chris Beard is headed in. Um, 
but they're able to add in these transfers, but they have all these returners um, where these transfers come in and they have all these guys around them that know the system and they're going to make sure you are playing within that system and you're going to be uh, basically just feeding off uh, the, the energy and the mentality that they've had instilled in them with the years that they've come in. So James Akinjo, obviously one of the top transfers um, over last last season who came from Arizona. He's a dynamic guard who can really put the ball in the hole. Uh, they did an outstanding job bringing in high school kids. Again, when I was saying with Chris Beard, once he starts bringing these high school kids, which he didn't really have a chance to last year, it's going to start changing quickly. They bring in Jeremy Sokan. And they also bring in Kendall Brown, who was a five-star kid. Uh, those guys really bring a lot of energy and versatility to the floor. Um, yes, they are a little bit down losing uh, Jonathan Chamwachachua uh, to injury this year, but they're so well coached. They defend. They can put the they can put the ball in the hole uh, with their backcourt and their guards. So uh, I actually have them. I'm trying to remember where I have them at. Um, I think I have them losing. Yeah, I have them losing to UCLA in the Sweet 16. I kind of went with an upset. Took uh, UCLA to go on another run there um, after last year. I think their experience and um, their their ability to with uh, Jaime Jaquez, Johnny Juzang, guys to score the basketball. Um, I think uh, after the loss to Arizona in the Pac-12 tournament, uh, they seem a bit fired up. Mick Cronin seems really fired up right now, so he's going to have those guys ready to go. Yeah, that uh, that's uh, that's a tough bracket to pick right there. Texas, of course, down mm-hmm. in the bottom half of that uh, East region. All right, in Kansas, uh, the number one seed in the Midwest, and um, you know Chayabaji, uh, what a story! Um, interesting that Bill Self stuck with Remy Martin at the point guard late in the Texas Tech game. Uh, instead of um, Devin Harris and Remy Martin made plays and Kansas held off Texas Tech to win the Big 12 tournament. What do you think about Kansas? <laughs> Entering the Big 12 tournament, I wasn't crazy about them. They don't, they're not deep at all. And their point guard play all year has been a, a serious concern. And obviously, Remy Martin's play in the Big 12 tournament has been a big revelation it's been a huge development for them as a team um with Remy playing the way he's playing now they're a final four contender prior to this I thought that they are potentially and they could be a team uh that gets knocked out before the second round uh so obviously losing to the eight or nine so you have to get who they had um off the top of my head but just with their lack of depth um and their lack of point guard play I was a little bit concerned but obviously Remy playing the way he's playing uh, big development now if he continues this, um, improves to be a reliable guard now. Um, they can definitely make that run. you got uh, one of the top player of the year candidates in Ochai Ibaji who can put, who can really fill it up. Um, and if he gets hot and going alongside Remy Martin, those two can make some serious noise and be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that uh, that's it's going to be fun. Um, okay, so – as we as we look at the uh, the bracket, give us your final four. Right now, my final four is Gonzaga, uh, Villanova, UCLA, and Auburn. Um, it's kind of surprising. I don't have Arizona in there. I know they're a hot pick right now. Um, no Kansas. 
Um, no Kentucky, that's another hot pick. Um, my national champions, I was saying earlier, I got Gonzaga going. And then my biggest Cinderella, I've already said it on here, I think TCU is going to make some noise. I, I have them actually. Uh, that's my biggest hot take. Um, I could look like an absolute idiot here about to, at the end of the week. Can't wait. Um, <laughs> exactly, right? I mean, I guess at the end of the day, there's no bad picks. That's what makes it fun. Uh, but I got TCU over Arizona in that, in that second round, in that second game. Um, and then I also have Murray State, Kentucky team uh, coming out. Entering this uh, postseason, didn't matter who they played. I thought they were a team that was going to go on a run. Uh, Matt McMahon, they got three dynamic guys who can deal serious damage to any team. They run uh, a system that these guys know extremely well, and they get a ton of options each time down the floor. Um, so with the way they play, uh, it's not going to change too much, and I think it's going to give some people some fits. And so I actually have them beating Kentucky um, in the second round and actually advancing all the way to the Elite Eight. So that's my that's my biggest Cinderella, my Final Four, and my champion all right there for you. Well, I'll tell you what, Texas's region, after talking to you, is looking a lot harder. Um, so do you, do you have a, do you have Texas beating Virginia Tech or the Hokies? I have the Hokies, unfortunately. I hate to say it on here, but I do have the Hokies. I, again, I, I, the, uh, their versatility, the way they like to play, um, alongside my questions regarding the backcourt, um, who's going to be the, the decision maker when it gets tough out there on the basketball court. Um, who can you trust to go out there and make the right plays? Um, I don't think we've had a, the right answer all year with this Texas team. Um, just with the way Marcus Carr is coming in from being the go-to guy, a, a, a high-level scorer at Minnesota, to now having to try to figure out how to run the point full-time, get others involved in play. Um, I think just the way that uh, Virginia Tech plays again, uh, I think they can give them fits on a defensive end and when that game gets chippy. Um, who you're going to rely on. And I'm just, I'm going with the Hokies. Okay. Well, let's pretend, let's pretend <laughs> that Texas beats Virginia Tech. Uh, they would face either Purdue or Yale okay. uh, in that uh, round of 32 game. Uh, size up that matchup for us. And um, do you have Purdue winning that one? I would have Purdue winning that one, yes. Um, Size of the Boilermakers. Uh, Jay Nivey, electric, exciting, fun guard, um, can really put the ball in the hole. If he gets hot, um, there's not many guys better in the country, if any. Um, but they like What's to he play remind through. you of, Travis? Does he re- – I mean, he, a little bit I – mean, he's not as bouncy as John Morant, but, I mean, he's – I agree with you. He is, he's lethal. Yeah. He's, he's just got that excitement factor about him. Like he's one of those guys that if he, if he gets hot, man, he can take them all the way to the final four. Um, but they do love to play through Zach Eady. That's the guy. Um, that is who they're going to be playing through regardless. Seven foot, basically eight feet tall. I mean, he's absolutely massive human being. Um, great touch. He's just improved so much. He makes us look bad every single night he takes floor. I think we had him back end 150 um, coming out of high school, and he just makes it bad like every single time he steps out on the floor. But um, that's going to be the main matchup. Who's going to be able to check? As you were saying, Texas doesn't have anybody really over six foot seven. So 
how can you size up with a guy who's seven foot two, seven foot three, three hundred pounds? Um, he's just going to dominate the paint. Um, and then once you finally think you have an answer to that, now they go to Jay Knight and he's just going to torch you from the in the backcourt. So um, those two guys are a dynamic duo. Um, they're not a great defensive team, um, but they can put points on the board. Uh, and those two guys are two in the, of the best in the country at their uh, individual positions. So um, tough second round matchup for sure if they make it past the Hokies. All right, and your your sleeper is uh, your Cinderellas are TCU and Murray State. Yep. Speaking of John Morant, Murray State lives on. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important what you said about um, Scott Drew, you know, bringing in transfers, but having the culture already established because that mm-hmm. that was the tricky part for Beard. He and you know, yeah, he had holdover players: uh, Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey, Jace Febers, Brock Cunningham, but. They hadn't been a part, had not been a part of Chris Beard's culture. Then he brings in nine newcomers, none of whom have been a part of Chris Beard's culture. And it's a tough culture. I mean, he's tough, demanding. They've played good defense, but that killer instinct, that eye of the tiger that Chris Beard's teams typically have, especially at this time of year. I mean, they were two missed free throws. Uh, in the final 38 seconds last year from knocking off Arkansas, who went to the Elite Eight. Um, so I, I think that's a really big point, Travis. I'm, I'm glad you made it because I think Texas fans, you know, saw the preseason number five ranking and thought it was just out of water, but it's not. Yeah, uh, it's going to take some time. Um, again, once because in the high school market, you're at least – able to pinpoint uh, with your, through the evaluation process of who fits your culture. Um, obviously, there's always going to be a learning curve once they get in, but you can always pinpoint guys who, who, who fit your culture and you kind of grow and, and groom through that. Um, that really, once those transfers come in, um, they buy in a whole lot sooner. Um, and that learning curve is a lot more rapid at, in those points. So, yeah, not concerned at all. Scott that's Drew, that's a – I think that Baylor program now um, is a great example. And a lot of people are trying to kind of emulate in a lot of ways um, just with how they've done it through recruits um, at the high school level, um, instilling that culture in them and then filling it up with uh, some, some nice uh, transfer pieces, whether they're complimentary or whether they're James Akinjo's um, that come in and, and Davion, Davion Mitchell, right? Yeah. He was a transfer. Oh. Um Jared, Jared Butler, I'm trying to remember, Jared Butler either was a transfer or he decommitted from Alabama and he went to Baylor. Either way, um, still speaks to their culture and what they've been able to do. And a lot of people are trying to emulate that. Um, so, yeah, not concerned about Chris Beard. I think Texas fans have a lot to look forward to um, with this coach and this staff and what they've got going for them. Okay, so your final four is Gonzaga, Villanova, UCLA, and Auburn. Is that right? That is right, yeah. Okay, so it's a high risk one, high risk, high risk. Uh, Like I said, I could I could definitely come out looking like a total idiot, and you guys will be making fun of me in about a week. I think you kind of answered this question, but (laughs) I was going to ask you who's overrated in this tournament. A high seed who's overrated. You kind of hinted at Kansas going into the Big Twelve tournament, but now maybe not. Who? Yeah, maybe Kansas is interesting, man. Obviously, after the Big Twelve tournament. It's hard for me to come in and say they're overrated, especially with 
Auburn losing, Kentucky losing, um, Duke losing. There's so many teams that fell short in their conference tournaments. That's hard for me to say that Kansas is overrated. Um, I will tell you who's underrated, and I think was uh, the biggest slight, and they're making the most noise on Twitter right now, is uh, Tennessee. Um, I, from that perspective, I think they, um, given the three seed, I think they actually had a chance to get a one seed after the way they've played. Um, they are tied, I want to say, third most um, in the country in quad one wins, their 10 and seven record, uh, and zero losses in quad two, quad three, quad four. They just beat Kentucky twice since February 1st. They're 12 and one. Um, one loss. Oh, gosh, blanking on who their loss was to. But they've beaten Auburn. They beat Kentucky twice handedly. And they just won the SEC championship, tournament championship for the first time since 1979. Um, and so, with all the losses ahead of them and looking at the resumes ahead of them of Auburn, who is extremely high risk. I have them in my final four, but that's just because I don't like that region. I have no idea what to do with that region. Um, if those guards get hot and Wendell Green, Katie Johnson, Auburn can slice straight through that, through that bracket with no problem at all. Um, but those two guards can also get you beat with the way they play the game. Um, they love to get their shots up and there can be several, several possessions in a row where they don't give the basketball to Jabari Smith, who's already the number one pick in the draft. Um, sorry for that tangent. But no, that's uh, I, I do think Tennessee. Um, it's Rick Barnes. Uh, Texas fans yeah. know all about Rick Barnes. They sure do. Exactly. Yeah. He heck of a coach, man. Absolute heck of a coach. And so um, that team most, I, I think, got the biggest slight yesterday. Um, and from an overrated standpoint, when I was looking at the bracket, the thing that actually surprised me the most was just it's not even a high seed was Michigan getting in as the 11 seed. No play in game. I think they're 17 and 14. Um, and they get in as the 11 seed with no playing game. I thought Texas A&M um, had a good, good case for getting an outright bid. Um, so I, that one was the biggest surprise to me, and I thought they came out as the biggest winner overall when it came to the seeding, just frankly just getting in without the playing game. I guarantee you Chris Beard would trade places with Colorado State right now. Oh, absolutely. Colorado six seed taking on 11 seeded Michigan beard would love it. Yeah. I mean that I will say this. I actually do think Michigan can win a couple games. They entered the season top five um, in the country. Now their freshmen haven't been as good as we anticipated. Maybe Um, it's going to take them a little bit longer with Caleb Houston um, and Musa Diabate. Hunter Dickinson has been, uh, He's been a bit up and down. There's been some games, especially to start the year, he had a couple hiccups. Uh, but he's starting to figure out he's averaging about 18 points a game. Um, but overall, man, yeah, just them getting that 11 seed without the, without the play-in game over teams like a Texas A&M who just went on a run um, and, frankly, had a pretty good season overall. A um, bunch of tough, gritty dudes as well. Um, obviously, a Texas team. Uh, so, yeah, man. Biggest winner by far, and obviously it doesn't answer your question perfectly, but that's what I got for you. Well, I and I want to ask you this because I thought this flew totally under the radar. Uh, Kansas State loses to West Virginia uh, in the play-in game at the Big 12 tournament. Um, Bruce Weber uses his post-game press conference to say he's not going to cut his hair until some of these programs that were investigated by the FBI and found to you know, have been uh, up to no good, get punished. 
of course, Kansas, one of those programs, Bruce Weber, uh, has sort of a long running thing with Bill Self. He succeeded Self at Illinois, held a mock funeral for Bill Self at Illinois because he felt like those players were still too attached to Bill Self. What did you make of Bruce Weber uh, and those comments before resigning the next morning? Uh, obviously strong statements, competitive statements for sure. Um, I think you're starting to see a lot of those statements kind of be made, not necessarily um, in regards to the exact circumstances that he's referring to, um, but you're starting to see a lot of a lot of uh, anonymous quotes of quote coaches come out, um, kind of talking about just like the overall structure of the NCAA right now, especially given the transfer portal. Um, and with no no uh, year to sit out, you're hearing a lot of people complain um, and talk about uh, the. I guess you and if you want to use the word tampering, I guess that would be the word where handshake lines are now uh, uh, recruiting lines and you can use it uh, to kind of weasel your way in to steal another person's player. And so I think um, it's all just college basketball is just in a bit of a, a strange place right now with these allegations. I mean, obviously LSU just got smacked uh, this week. Will Wade gets fired. Um, there's a lot of stuff to still play out among the college basketball landscape. So um definitely a, a something a competitor would say about another um it's really all i got about it yeah yeah it was uh it was odd um you know to hear those comments mm -hmm. and of course it made all it made a lot more sense the next morning when he resigned yeah. uh, k-state sounds like k-state thinks they might be able to get brad underwood um speaking of illinois um what would you make of that that would be an interesting move. Uh, Illinois is a great job. It's a really good job. Um, they got an extremely fiery fan base. Uh, I know he's an alum. I know Brad Underwood. Yeah, he's an alum. I don't know. I don't know if he leaves Illinois. I, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't. Illinois, especially in the era of NIL, I don't. To me, it, it's just difficult. Uh, that fan base is so passionate, so big. Um, that you can do a lot of damage, and you got a great recruiting pipeline right there in Illinois in the Midwest. Um, again, that that it's a, just a high level job you can win at. Um, it's got some history to it. Um, if he were to take it, obviously being an alum it doesn't necessarily surprise me. But uh, if you're looking at it from just um, an objective job perspective, uh, to me it doesn't make a ton of sense. So uh, we'll see, man. We'll see where that goes. Well, Travis, man, sorry, I'm going to cut you off. This is, uh, I, we need to get you on. Can we get you back on during the NCAA tournament? Let's, uh, let's, let's talk some more college basketball. This has been great. Absolutely. I would love to anytime, Chip, anytime you need, you want to have me, I'm happy to come on, man. I've enjoyed it myself. So, well, big thanks to Travis for, for jumping on the flagship podcast with us and big thanks to everyone, uh, for listening. We appreciate you so much. Uh, for Travis Branham, I am Chip Brown um, of Horns247.com. That's where we'll be hanging out until the next episode of the Flagship Podcast. Until then, stay safe and keep the faith. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. 
This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.